Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is the Friday broadcast. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you from Hickory Ridge Community Church. Thanking you so much. I love Friday. Uh, Friday is my second favorite day of the week, and as one day closer to Sunday. As I often say to you, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, and so I hope that you have made some arrangements uh, this weekend to go and worship. And uh, listen, you got to be with other believers, okay? You were never meant to walk the Christian life by yourself. And, uh, you know, there's three things that will change your life. These are three things that will change your life for better or for worse, okay? Uh, Number one is the books that I read. Listen, if you read good material, read good books, you're going to be a good person. If you read junk, right, you're going to be a a terrible person, right? Uh, You don't have time to read everything. So read good stuff, good literature, good books. Uh, Start with the Bible, the most important book that was ever written to humanity, okay? Number two is the places that you go. Where do you go? I remember that little song you used to sing as a kid. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, that's so important. If you go to good places, you're going to be a good person. You go to a bad places, you're going to be a bad person. Go to the right places, right? Uh, Hang out with the right people, the right crowd, and the right circumstances. And uh, be careful where you go, all right? Uh, And then number three, we talked about the books that you read, the places that you go. And then number three, the people that you meet. Yes, the people that you meet. Paul put it this way, bad company corrupts good morals. A man is known by the company that he keeps, okay? So hang with the right people. I wish I had a dime. For every time I have an inmate who's been released from prison and he'll say to me, man, I was doing pretty good. Got a job and things were starting to come together. I was paying my bills and got my driver's license and things were just coming together with me. I was going to church and hanging out with some of the people at the church and said, and then I met an old friend, right? I met an old friend. And as a result of meeting that old friend, I started doing the things that I used to do. Oh, be careful with the people that you communicate with, the people that you associate with. Listen, we are to be a missionary to everybody, but we only fellowship with God's people, good godly people. Iron sharpens iron. One man will sharpen another. So I want to talk to you today about having a legacy that remains. So Paul said this in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Well, there it is. I must finish my course that the Lord has given me. That is the course to share the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, it's not about me. I don't value my life as precious. I only want to finish the course that God has presented and given to me. You know, the Morton Meyerson Symphony Center was built in part by a $10 million donation from Mr. Perot. And Mr. Perot insisted that the center be named not for himself, but for his longtime business partner. Mr. Perot and his wife made contributions to a medical care center in Dallas for $100 million. Ross Perot passed away in July 2019. He ran for president in 1992 and then again in 1996. 
But no matter how wealthy or famous we become, by the world standard, if someone were asked what we want to be remembered for, we can say, I don't worry about that. That is leaving a legacy. Not saying I want to be remembered for what I've done, but I want to be remembered for the fact that I carried out the grace of God. I fulfilled the purpose that God has for me. Well, how are we going to live this way? Fortune Magazine quotes a comment made by billionaire Ross Perot, and he said this, Guys, just remember, if you get real lucky, if you make a lot of money, if you go out and you buy a lot of stuff, it's going to break. You got your biggest, fanciest mansion in the world. It has air conditioning. It's got a pool. Just think about all the pumps that are going to go out on you. All the air conditioning units that are going to break down on you. Or go to a yacht basin in, in any place in the world. Nobody is smiling. And the reason they're not smiling is because they've got this stuff and they know something's going to break and something probably broke that morning. Maybe the generator died. The microwave oven doesn't work anymore. Things just don't mean happiness. Now, Jesus said this in John 15, 16. I appointed you that you should go out and you should produce fruit and that your fruit will remain. Many years ago, there was an article in the Sunday Parade magazine in which actor Dick Van Dyke was talking about his church's youth program. They had brought in a new, dynamic, young youth minister, and he was soon packaging things together and getting all the kids to come together, and it was an exciting program. However, when he left, all the kids dropped away also. Van Dyke asked, what good have we done if all we've accomplished is to the young people in this ministry, and they just gather together, and then when he leaves, the youth minister leaves, they fall away. There has to be more to our ministry than this. Now listen, if Dick Van Dyke could see this, and I'm not sure if he's a believer or not, if he could see the importance of having something that remains, how much more should we as followers of Christ live our lives in such a way that we have fruit that remains? Well, here are eight examples of fruit that can remain in our lives. Number one, we have fruit that is a result of our outcome of something. For example, in Psalm 128, it says, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. Here we see that fruit is a result of one's labor. A second example of this would be a time of bad fruit, and that's found in Proverbs 131. They will eat the fruit of their evil ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. So as we look at this result of the outcome of something, as we devote ourselves to labor, right? And you're going to spend about a third of your life working, maybe working for somebody, or even if you're working for yourself, about a third of your life is going to be invested in laboring and working. What is going to be the outcome of that? The New Testament gives some good examples, right? Uh, the good examples will be the fruit of the Spirit versus the fruit of the flesh, right? There's a contrast here. The Bible actually calls bad fruit the works of the flesh. So when we are working hard and only fulfilling or resulting fruits of the flesh, we even know what those are. They're listed, right? Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19, it says, the fruit of the flesh 
is adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like. So those are the results of a fruit that is bringing about the fruit of the flesh. To contrast that, as we lift up the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc., we discover those fruits remain. So what are you going to be remembered for? Will you be remembered for the fact that you were a bad example of how to live the Christian life? Or will you be remembered for how to be a good example and you exemplify the outcome of your life by being driven by the fruits of the Spirit? Now, this is another thing that will live on past us. Not only the results of our labor, the results of the outcome of something, but number two, our prosperity. Now, I want to look at Psalm chapter 1 and spend just a few minutes talking about Psalm chapter 1. It says that the righteous man is the one who delights in and meditates on the word of God. It says that he shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, and it brings forth fruit in its season. So let's talk about that fruit in its season, and let's talk about what Psalm chapter 1 is all about. And maybe the best way to kind of dive into this short psalm is to go ahead and read the whole thing. It's just uh, six short verses, okay? It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like that tree that is planted by the streams of the water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Oh, the wicked are not so. But they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So kind of as a side note, I want to give you six principles of living the blessed life. Principle number one is that I do not fellowship with the wicked. It's very clear in this passage that I'm not standing there with the sinners. I'm not there in the presence of the sinners. I don't fellowship with the wicked. You know, as followers of Christ, we fellowship with other believers. Those who are not believers are really the ones we are trying to share the gospel with. Uh, They are part of our mission field. There's only two types of people in the world, those who believe in Christ and those who do not believe in Christ. We don't fellowship with those who do not believe in Christ. Paul says, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. We were called out of that lifestyle, called out from those people. As a matter of fact, the church is called ecclesia. It is a group of called out people. We're called out from the world, the world philosophy, the people of this world, and we're called into a fellowship of believers. So principle number one, if you want to have a blessed life, you do not fellowship with the wicked. Principle number two, you delight in the word of God. The psalmist says that he delights in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night. Now you think about something that you really delight in. I delight 
in a caramel frappuccino, right? Man, I I drink that that shake and uh and I just delight in that, right? I just enjoy that. Matter of fact, maybe when I get done recording this broadcast, I will drive through the drive-thru at McDonald's and say, would you give me a large caramel frappuccino? Put some whipped cream on top of that, and I will enjoy that as I'm driving out the interstate, okay? Uh, that's how it ought to be with the Word of God. Uh, just like we kind of savor our favorite food, we should be delighting in God's Word. Number three, if you want to have a life that is blessed, you don't fellowship with the wicked. You delight in God's word. And then number three, you actually produce something. Your life produces fruit, and it's fruit in its season. Now, I don't want you to miss that phrase because we are oftentimes in a stage in our lives where it appears that we're not producing fruit. We may be in that time where it's a building time or a, a time in the wilderness. You know, every great person that God has used has had those moments in the wilderness. I know I had them. I had those wilderness times in my life. It seems like a good portion of my life has been in the wilderness, learning about the Lord and and waiting for the right moment as God develops me. It says here that you will produce life and fruit in its season. Now listen, it's January right now, and I can promise you in January, you're not out there picking apples. In January, you're not out there picking corn. Why? These are fruits and vegetables that are not in season. Now, if you're getting them, you get them from a place that has a climate that they can go ahead and have this fruit in its season. But where we are here, it's getting mighty cold, and there's not a whole lot of fruit in season right here. Well, that may be where you are in your life. It doesn't mean my apple tree is dead right now. It's just not producing. It's still alive. It looks like it's dead. Now the leaves are gone. The fruit is gone. But listen, the fruit is going to come. Usually around September or October, I'm going to get some apples on the apple tree. I want you to know that God is developing in you fruit that will remain, but it must be in its season. If you want to live a blessed life, you don't fellowship with the wicked. You delight in the word of God. You produce a life that has fruit in its season. And then number four, you live a life of consistency. As we look at this, it says that you meditate on the law day and night. He's like a tree that's planted by the stream of water that produces fruit, and in all that he does, he prospers. There is a consistency, right? I'm by the river, where I'm consistently getting that nutrition from the river where I'm constantly producing things, and even though it may not be seen, something is being produced. Abraham Lincoln said, you know, if I had 24 hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend the first 23 and a half hours sharpening my axe, consistently making sure that I am ready for God to use me, living a life of consistency. You know, James says a dual-minded person is unstable in all of his ways. I want you to know that when we think about a blessed life, we think about a life that is consistent across the board. I know that some people have areas of their lives where they are very consistent, but other areas that they're inconsistent and they're really dual-minded. A person who is blessed is blessed in his life across the board. He's consistent in how he deals with his finances. He's emotionally consistent. He's consistent in that he cares for others on a regular, consistent basis. 
He's consistent in going to work every day. That's what a life of consistency is all about. A life that is blessed. And then number six, he stands righteously under judgment. You know, the blessed life is not the life that is absent from accusation. It is a life that is able to stand up righteously even under judgment. You know, if you do things for the Lord, you're going to have people that will falsely accuse you and say all manner of evil against you. Now, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As you look at your life and judgment comes against you, are you able to stand righteously because you're living a life of consistency? I've discovered that my biggest struggles in life do not come from being wrongly accused for things that I did not do, but being rightly accused for the things that I did do. That's the things that get me in trouble where I know I've messed up. God gives an extra measure of grace to us when we are falsely accused of things. I never realized this until I personally experienced it. How many years ago in our church, I was wrongly accused of many things. Rumor mills were running and the gospel was going everywhere and all these accusations, it was getting crazy. I couldn't keep up with all of them. I was trying to address them one on one and finally I said, you know what? The congregation is just going to have to come to a point where they either trust me or don't trust me. I kind of felt like Sam Ballard and Tobiah. Uh, they were kept telling Nehemiah to come on down because they wanted to bring these accusations against them. And Nehemiah says, you know what? I don't get time for you. I-, I can't go down to the plain of Ono and address every accusation that you have coming against me. I've got too much work to do to mess with you. And so that's how I took it. I just said, hey, listen, I'm just going to do what God's called me to do. I know these are false accusations. I don't have time to address every one of them. Furthermore, it would get me off track. It would get me from doing what God has called me to do. You see, the blessed life is being able to stand righteously, even under judgment. And then number six, I am known by the Lord. Now, I love this. The fact that I know the Lord and the Lord knows me. You know, one day when you pass on from this life, if you know Christ as your Savior, you know him. But you know, in order to get to heaven, not only do you have to know Christ, Christ has got to know you. I want you to know that you can know everything about Christ, but Christ may not know you. That's why Jesus said, there are many who will call to me that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do mighty things in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And the Lord would say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Uh, They knew the Lord and they were using the Lord, but the Lord never knew them. Oh, you must know and be known by the Lord. That is part of living the blessed life. Well, I hope that will help to encourage you today as you look at this prosperity. The righteous man delights in and meditates in the Word of God. Now, there's something else as we go down our list here of examples of fruit that remain. We talked about the result of our outcome of something, the labor of our hands. We talked about the prosperity that God has blessed us with, but there's also offspring. You will have a blessed offspring. And the Bible says, Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, 
and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kin, and the flocks of thy sheep. Now, that's an Old Testament passage, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse number four. But we see that is an example of a fruit that remains. That's why I'm so connected to my family and to my church. Those are two things in my life that will outlive me. God's blessed us with five children. And in a matter of a few months, we'll be blessed with our first grandson. I'm so excited about that. Can't wait for that to happen. But then I think about our church. You know, I think about one day, I will no longer be pastoring Hickory Ridge Community Church. I will move on, I'll pass on, and somebody else will take over that church. But that church will continue on, not because I'm so great, but because that is the Lord's church. It is an offspring of what God is doing. Well, there's something else that remains. That thing that remains, the Bible says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. You know, fruit is like a name tag, right? It is what is on the outside. It's a visual indicator of what's on the inside. So we could say, fruit is the outward expression of the inward nature. I have observed in the Old Testament that fruit is generally described as prosperity or blessing from God. I think it is also true in the New Testament. However, with the emergence of Christ, fruit is also a reference to Christ. So clearly, the fruit of the Christian is the evidence and the expression of the nature of Christ in us. So all the blessings that we receive from God are always the result of the life of Christ in us. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 1.3, Praise be the God and our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Well, there's another fruit that remain, and that is praise to God. Praise to God is the fruit of our lips as we open up our mouths and we worship Him and we give thanks to Him. You ever had that expression? I think I feel the song coming, right? But as we see in Isaiah 57, this fruit does not come from ourselves. It is created in us by God. He puts the praises of himself on our lips. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, By him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. You know, your praises will outlive you. It is fruit that remains. Even one day when we go to heaven, we're going to be singing praises unto God for all of eternity. You know, we just recently had our Christmas special, the Christmas Coffee House. And so we were asked to have our men's ministry sing. And so we got up there and we sang. And we sang unto the Lord. You know, we didn't sound that great. I know we weren't that bad, but we weren't great. Uh, we ain't going to put the Brooklyn Tabernacle out of business, or, or we're not going to put your worship team out of business. You have nothing to worry about with that. But you know, when all of our voices got together, it was a joyful noise unto the Lord. I make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye people. You ought to practice your singing right now, because in heaven, we're going to spend all of eternity singing praises unto God. Well, there's another fruit that can remain, and that is when we share the gospel. I would call this the witnessing fruit, right? The fruit of attitude and action as we share the gospel. You know, when you really love somebody, you want them to know that Jesus Christ 
has salvation for them as well. This is such a good thing to enjoy this this time of the year as we're beginning a new year, realizing that God has chosen you. Uh, Jesus put it this way in John 15, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. As we share the blessed hope of the gospel, we are connecting people with those God has chosen. And that leads to converts. Converts are new Christians and they're fruit. They are fruit that remains. In Romans 1.13, Paul often planned and was eager to go to Rome. And, and he says, I wanted to go to Rome so that I might have some fruit that may remain among them. And there's one last one I've got to cover in the closing seconds of the broadcast today, and that is repentance. The Bible says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Oh, wow. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of direction. And as a result of that, we are producing something that will live beyond our lives. Well, thank you so much for listening to this Friday broadcast. I hope to see you in church on Sunday. Hickory Ridge Community Church meets at 9 o'clock Sunday morning and 10.30 on Sunday morning. We're located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. I would love to have you come. Look forward to seeing you this Sunday. Just come into the big glass doors that say, welcome home. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.